As you see, this morning I'm going to address the war in Israel before we get into God's text because it's probably on a lot of your minds and I was exhorted by a more elderly pastor with wisdom to address the subject from God's word to give you some perspective, a lot of different voices, a lot of different opinions, very strong opinions, a lot of emotion running high and so it's good to get some perspective from God's word. The book of Revelation actually has much to say about war in Israel, but we haven't gotten to that part in the book of Revelation yet. Our message today is going to be on the letters to the churches in Revelation 2 and 3. So before we get to that, let's spend a few minutes talking about the biblical perspective of the war in Israel. It's very difficult to find reliable information in a world full of liars. I've been constantly reminded, not only this week, but in previous months and years, where the psalmist says, in my despair, I said, all men are liars. I can sympathize with that despair. They don't know who to listen to, where to go for reliable information. seems like everyone has their angle, everyone has their bias. And so it's difficult to find reliable information. And yet that's what drives us back to God's word. God's word is true. Even though it can be difficult to discern what is true coming from the mouths of men, we have baselines in God's word by which we can judge everything that we hear and everything that is happening around us. So I want to remind you that God's plan for the world, God's plan for history, centers in Israel and specifically in Jerusalem. We just began in our Old Testament survey a look into the book of Isaiah. And as we'll find as we continue looking into Isaiah, that the theme of Jerusalem, as it's called Zion in the book of Isaiah, is a very strong, heavy emphasis in the book. And repeatedly we are told about how God's salvation centers in Jerusalem geographically. Biographically, it centers in the Lord Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ did in the city of Jerusalem. But Jerusalem, Zion, is at the heart of God's plan, not only for Israel, but for all the nations. It's good to keep that in mind, have that biblical perspective. Secondly, I want to remind you that the people of the Arabs are descendants of Ishmael in the Bible. And the Bible does have a blessing for the Arab people, descendants of Ishmael, because they are descendants of Abraham. Now, they don't receive the same covenant, they don't receive the same blessing that the people of Israel have, and yet God did care for Hagar, and God did care for Ishmael, and God even predicted what the people of the Arabs were going to be like in world history, and you could jot it down in Genesis chapter 17, verse 20, I encourage you to look up that passage. There we are told that his hand, that is the hand of Ishmael and his descendants, will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. He's going to be attacking everyone. Everyone's going to be attacking him. And what do we see? Well, that's exactly what we see in the world. The Arabs are against everyone. Everyone is against the Arabs. And God told us that's the way it was going to be all the way back in Genesis chapter 17, verse 20. So once again, all the world events just continue to remind us that the Bible is true. Jerusalem is the center of the world's attention. The Arabs are against everyone. Everyone is against the Arabs. And recognize that as we try to judge the actions morally... We don't judge in the sense of condemning or putting ourselves above others, but we are to have discernment to be able to say, well, this is right, this is wrong. That when it comes to judging the actions of a group like Hamas or judging the actions of the government of the nation of Israel today, that all men are sinners. The people of Israel are not without sin. The people of the 
Palestinians are not without sin. And that doesn't mean that they are equivalent. Just because all men are sinners doesn't mean that all sin is the same. And so you can't make a moral equivalence and say, well, this side is sinful, that side is sinful, so you know, we're not going to say anybody's in the right. And we still have to make moral judgments and say, well, this seems to be the group that is in the wrong, this seems to be the group that is in the right. And so that can be difficult when you have so much different information and different perspectives coming at you. And that's why you must train your senses according to God's word to be able to discern right from wrong. And that's what we attempt to do on Sunday mornings. So beware of the false equivalents. Recognize that all are sinful. We don't justify everything the government of Israel does. We don't justify everything the other side does. We want to be able to judge rightly. And I'm not going to do all of that judging for you right now. That would be several sermons worth of material. I want to remind you, though, as our fourth point here. Number one, it's difficult to find reliable information. Number two, God's plan centers in Zion. Number three, all men are sinners. Number four, Israel is under God's judgment. And the people of Israel have rejected Jesus Christ and continue to reject Jesus Christ, their Messiah, their Savior, God's Son sent to them on a mission of peace. And as they have rejected the covenant of God in the blood of Christ, they are experiencing the curses of the old covenant that they're still trying to live under. And that means there will be no peace for the people of Israel so long as they do not believe on their Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of Israel, and he is the only hope for Israel. So recognize that Israel is under God's judgment, and as the book of Isaiah reminds us, the Prince of Peace is the only hope, and that there is no peace for the wicked, and that for those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ but hold to their traditions that are against Christ, well, they are wicked. And there is not going to be peace for them until they say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Just keep that biblical perspective in mind. However, we are to pray for the peace of Israel. While we recognize that they are under God's curse, that, that this is part of God's judgment upon them, bringing all of the conflict that they experience, all of the death, all of the war, that we still pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as it says in Psalm 122, verse 6. We are commanded, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And this prayer is, in effect, a prayer for the return of Jesus Christ. It's the same thing as praying Maranatha. When we pray, our Lord come, Maranatha, we are praying for the peace of Jerusalem because he is the one who is going to bring peace for Jerusalem. Antichrist will bring a false peace. Perhaps the events that are happening now are setting up for the rise of the Antichrist who will make that peace treaty between Israel and the nations that's supposed to secure them a seven-year cessation of hostilities that he himself is going to break in the midst of that and war against Israel? Perhaps. I certainly hope so, because I want Jesus Christ to come back. And we know that the coming of the Antichrist is the prelude to the final victory of Christ. So keep all of that in mind as well. And then finally, what are you supposed to do with all of this? Well, number one, you're supposed to make good moral judgments and help others to make good moral judgments. That's very important. And number two, you should seek to bless Israel because the scripture says in Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So the one who attacks Israel is attacking the apple of God's eye. And so while God can use nations like the Palestinians, if you want to call them a nation, I, there's a lot of debate even on you know, whether or not that terminology is appropriate. Peoples, let's say that. If you, God can use peoples to attack the people of Israel. That is something that God is going to take vengeance on. 
as we see throughout the Old Testament. While God used foreign nations to discipline his people, those foreign nations then were judged by God, even so. So we want to be those who bless the nation of Israel as we are promised a blessing if we do so. doesn't mean we justify everything that the Jewish people do. A faithful friend is willing to tell his friend as a blessing when he's doing something that's morally wrong. I'm not saying that Israel is doing something morally wrong. That would be a different sermon. But I just say we want to bless them according to the wisdom that God gives us. And one of the ways that I would recommend, one of the best ways I think practically you can bless the nation of Israel at this time is through the ministry of Samaritan's Purse. That's a good way to donate, to not just be praying, but to also have your work being going to supporting those who are suffering in the conflict. So I just wanted to recommend some practical things that you can do as well. If you have questions about the war in Israel or what I've talked about and you want to get into some of the weeds on the moral actions of both sides, I'm willing to talk with you about that. Give me a call and we can sit down and and have a protracted discussion. But the most important thing for us is to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with both Jews, with Arabs, and with everyone who is concerned with what's going on in Israel. This is an opportunity to talk about the Prince of Peace. So let's not waste those opportunities. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll dig into our second sermon. Father, we thank you so much for the gathering of the saints. Thank you for making us a part of your family so that we can be built up in our faith, we can be encouraged, we can have your spirit ministering to us in a multitude of ways, both in word and in deed, when we come together as the body of Christ here in Firth on this beautiful Sunday morning. Father, we pray for the people of Israel that you would bless them with the gift of repentance. And we thank you for your word, which reveals the pathway for Israel, that it's through tribulation, it's through suffering, it's through war and disaster that they are going to be brought to the end of their own strength. And it's only when all of their strength is gone that they are going to turn to you and put their trust in you, in the person of Jesus Christ, who is your son. Father, we pray for that day, we look forward to that day when Israel is saved, when your glory fills the earth, when all the nations participate in that blessing of the salvation of Israel, be the renewal of all things. In the meantime, Lord God, give us wisdom to know how to bless Jews around us, to know how to be a friend and a loving neighbor to the Arabs who are around us. Help us to recognize that that we are not on a political side but that we are here to minister the gospel, which is salvation for Jew, for Arab, for all peoples who are on the earth. And may the gospel of Jesus Christ be forefront in the hearts and the lives of your people at this time where there are so many opportunities to speak his name. May we not shy away or be distracted. We pray for our good and for your glory. Amen.